Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to The Build-Up as we get ready for what is going to be a special night at the tank. The return of Joe Thornton, arguably the greatest player in the history of the San Jose Sharks, or at least if not the greatest, one of the greatest in the history of the franchise. Obviously, we can point back to his acquisition as being a changing moment. And from the minute he joined the franchise, leading up to this very instant right now, nothing has ever really been the same. And I am very excited to see Jumbo back in the building tonight. And I think we're all very excited to share in what will be an emotional moment. I remember so many emotional moments with Jumbo, whether it was huge wins or huge losses or whatever it was, he always struck me as a unique character, a unique individual, a just a person who you wanted to fight for and alongside. And I think that's why we see his teammates uh, of any team he's ever been on, whatever year of the Sharks it's been, whether it's been on Toronto or, or Florida or even back his old Boston teammates, the guy is universally beloved, except for the people who just had to play against him in a game, especially when he was at his peak. I mean, we think about the passing. We think about just his overall playmaking ability, the way he saw the ice, the way he played such a unique game, you know, got down low, puck at his stick, looking to distribute. I mean, I just I have these visions of Jumbo, you know, that very clearly come to mind and you know, you go at the the yes that he started screaming when he had the hat trick in early 2019, and you know, just moments like that. There's just there's such a a different viewpoint in my mind when I think about Jumbo than when I think about almost anybody else that I can remember with the Sharks. And obviously, the only other people that really occupy that you know frame of minds when I talk about the Sharks are a, a Patty and a Pavelski. And you know, those are the the three. If we had a, a, a three-tiered, you know, leadership core at the top of the Sharks, you know, it'd be Jumbo, Patty, and Pavelski, and you'd try and, you know, go from there. But, you know, it's it's interesting to watch the way that people are reacting to this. It's interesting to w- the way that people are looking at this as, I don't even know if homecoming or reunion is the right word for it because Jumbo is still on a very good team and still trying to lift Lord Stanley's Cup, and I don't really root for other teams in the NHL, but if... His Panthers are alive. I am most surely going to be rooting for them because I root for Jumbo, just as I have rooted for a Patrick Marlowe in the past, just as I have rooted for a Joe Pavelski in the past, just as I have rooted for other former Sharks, at least if the Sharks are no longer in the postseason. So that's kind of how I go for it. But it'll be a special night of the tank tonight. I think it'll be fun. And I think you have a rare opportunity as a fan to give a player like Joe Thornton just your complete appreciation, a show of everything that he meant over the years. And that's something that games don't specifically provide you because when a guy scores a game-winning goal, when a guy scores uh, you know, a go-ahead goal, when a guy takes a penalty, when a guy... I mean, all these moments that we think about over the course of games and series and all these things, it's not specifically on the one player because it's a team sport. 
This is an instance in which it is a moment where you where you will get to celebrate Joe Thornton, where you know they will, I'm sure, have some sort of a pause in the game and they'll put a video tribute up. And I'm just speculating; I have no idea, but I just you know I've seen these before, and I think this will be one of those moments. And I expect it to be uh, I expect it to be powerful, and I expect it to be a true feel good moment. Um, to talk about Jumbo, we now have joining us on the Sharks Audio Network. Now retired, but he was a longtime Sharks beat writer for the Mercury News. It is David Pollock. David, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Doing well, Ted. And like everybody else, looking forward to Joe coming back to the building tonight. Yes. I mean, it is, it's really weird. And I, you know, I've thought about some of the other guys that we've seen come back Patty Marlowe, Joe Pavelski. You know, those have been just, you know, strange, for lack of a better term, with a lot of mixed emotions. But I feel like the Jumbo one will be a little bit different because he represents so much of the history of the franchise. And, you know, Pavelski and Marlowe, these guys were through the shark system and drafted and developed, whereas Jumbo was acquired in a trade that changed everything for the franchise. Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue with that at all. Joe's Joe's in a class by himself, I think. And no, no disrespect to the other guys at all. What do you think about you know, the, the legacy with regards to, you know, him not having a cup, but still being a part of so many great teams year after year. I mean, does it doesn't impact it for me. It would add to it, obviously, but I just, you know, I, it, not that it's superfluous, but I feel like it's hard to argue against anything Jumbo has done. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a mixed legacy to the extent that no, they didn't win the Stanley cup, but in, in the sense that hockey, uh, I think of all sports, uh, relies on a team effort rather than individual, you know, success that, that doesn't all fall on Joe, obviously. And that there's a lot of shared, you know, responsibility when something like that happens. And, and Joe wasn't a bad playoff player. He, he, he came through, he wasn't, you know, it, it's not like he froze up and nothing happened. He was, you know, there was, I, I don't think that should be any kind of a shadow on his time here as far as what he was able to accomplish. And, and the entertaining hockey team that the Sharks were able to put on the ice during those times. What is, when, when somebody says Joe Thornton to you, what do you immediately think of? Is there a play? Is there a moment? Is there a pass? Is there, you know, just his, an exchange, you know, back when we used to be allowed to go into the dressing room after games, like what, what comes to mind first? Well, there's a lot of things. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, if there's a play and this is, there's the obvious, some passes that he threw and there's, you know, falling on his back after eliminating the Kings mm-hmm. in the uh, playoffs in 2011 and sliding across the ice. I still remember mostly one of his first games with the Sharks. And I wasn't the beat guy then, so I wasn't at every game. But I was at a game against Washington about two or three weeks after he joined the team. And he brings the puck down the ice on the along the boards. And he basically controls the the, the pace of the game. He slows it down to his level. And it's like Washington players all kind of froze, not sure what he was going to do. And he skates in almost all untouched by himself and scores. Now, that's not Joe Thornton. He's not the scorer. He's the passer, of course. But it was that moment where I said, oh, this guy changes everything when he's out there. He really does change the pace of the game in a good way, in a sense that the, if his teammates can take advantage of it, that's going to that's gonna go a long way. So it was an early goal against Washington that I still kind of remember uh, as a first impression that never really went away. In the locker room, there were, it, it could be frustrating with Joe because 
he, you know, he puts on a very happy go lucky persona. Mm -hmm. And there were times where you wanted to have somebody when he was the captain, you know, just be a little bit more direct and a little bit more honest of whatever the issue was at that particular game at that particular moment. But that wasn't Joe. And, and I know for, it took a while for me as a reporter, and I think it took a while for people in general to get past the fact that that's, that doesn't mean he doesn't care about winning. That doesn't mean he's kind of nonchalant about it. He's a really incredibly competitive guy, but he doesn't like to let it show in the way that some other players do like to let it show. And so that's just who he is. And it, it took a little bit of time to realize that. that you know, I, I think the, the knock on him in Boston was that he wasn't as intense as you know the typical Bruins fan or the typical Bruins media wanted the guy to be because that's a you know that team has a, a long reputation of a bunch of tough guys and that's not who joe is so it was really i think a much better fit out here where there wasn't the real pressure to be that tough guy and i think uh and again it took a while but you get to the point where you realize he does care as much as anybody else and he is as competitive as anybody else but he's just not going to share it with you all the time and occasionally when he does share it with you share it with with you over the years it's more valuable because you you recognize it's at a point where it really matters to him do you think that he would use that as a deflection to maybe draw the attention to himself as opposed to his teammates by being almost nonchalant at times like there were there were times where you did expect joe to be a little bit more fiery but he almost to me, in retrospect, at least, because at the time, I think like everybody else, it was kind of like, well, you know, he's just that's just his personality. But it is in terms of deflecting, you know, whether it was Nabby, whether it was Boyle, whether it was whoever it was, suddenly the conversation would shift to Thornton. I think there is uh, there's some truth to that. And I will be brave enough to bring up the one example where I think that was a deliberate attempt on his part. We're going to go back to Thomas Hurdle's early time with the Sharks, and he <laughs> scores four goals. And the media is all over Hurdle because he did some, you know, celebrating after a fourth goal it was a real tricky shot, and it was a little bit of showboating. <laughs> and there were some and, uh, NHL analysts who thought that was terrible for a young kid to try to do that to show up a goalie. And the, uh, some coaches were bad mouthing him. And the Sharks are playing in Vancouver in the middle of all this. And the Vancouver media is all around Hurdle, and I'm in the locker room there too. And they're they're putting them all the pressure on Hurdle. Well, what do you think about what so and so said? And how about this? And poor Hurdle's a young guy who can barely speak English at the time, and he's still trying to be you know as cooperative as he can. And suddenly Joe pops up from a uh, you know ten feet away with the line, "Hey, if it was me that scored four goals, and we all know what followed after that." <laughs> And and to me that was Joe basically looking around the room and saying, I got to I got to get this poor kid out of the spotlight. Yeah, and that's exactly what he did, and it and it worked perfectly. And and, and that was the last time I can recall a big crowd around Hurdle. Uh, you know, in the next two or three games, that didn't happen. It was all around Thornton, and he, it wasn't by accident. That was I think a very calculated move on his part, and it, I think it. It, it it showed the kind of guy he is as a captain and as a teammate. And I think that's, that's actually to his credit. He was willing to put himself on the line out there. I thought he wasn't going to get away with that line. He got away with it. Nobody, you know, it did not become, uh, it didn't become a suspension of fine or anything. And uh, everybody got a good laugh out of it. 
And it's it's one of those lines that it's surprising. It still lives to this day. It's not just infamy, but you know, it's whenever there there have been games where we'd have you know two goals or in 2018, um, or excuse me, early 2019 against Boston when he had uh, you know the hat trick. Everybody's making the joke, and it's it's not even. You know, it's it's not even said ironically or anything like that. Like it was, it's become a part of Joe Thornton lore, and you know more to the fact the Sharks lore, and you know just because uh, I guess you know you'd never heard anyone say something quite like that before in the no. <laughs> in a locker room, at least not in those exact. I mean, maybe there would have been a um, an allusion to something like that, but no, Joe just came out and said it. Um, what of all those teams, which one do you think stung the most, or do you? Is it too hard just because, I mean, I, I remember so many of those and looking back now, like I, I'm almost in disbelief. Like there's a level of incredulousness and I've spent my entire life around sports, but like I go back and I look at those teams and I always have the same reaction of how did they not win? I mean, I just, it's, it's beyond my comprehension. And obviously sports are difficult. There's no, there's no telling what's going to happen. I mean, you see you know, the, what, the, what the Bills did in the early 90s by going to four consecutive right. Super Bowls and they didn't win one. Or you, you look at the Braves, all the great runs they had, and they had one World Series title in those Bobby Cox years until, you know, last year when they get number two seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, it's just sports are, are, are cruel like that. Right. And if you're asking me for one team, I go back to Todd McClellan's first year here. Yeah. Uh, it was it was, I, it was 08, 09. I did a little bit of homework before the before we start the conversation here, team started out 22, three and one. And I've never seen a hockey team just dominate one game after another to start a season like that. And they were flying all over the place and they were just beautiful to watch. And they go on and they finish with 117 points and Mm -hmm. they win the president's cup and they face Anaheim in the first round. And Anaheim was sort of a very artificial number eight seed. It was a much better team than a number eight seed normally is they had had injuries all season but they were playing their best hockey the last couple months of the season and anaheim knocks out the sharks in six games yeah and that was to to me that was the year that it looked like that was going to be their year they had everything going for them on offense on defense good goaltending and they couldn't get out of the first round and uh that, that's the one I look back with, even more so than being up three games to nothing on the, on L.A. You know, in 2014, I look back at 2008-09, and that that should have been that should have been the Sharks' year, but it just they drew a good team in the first round for whatever reason they couldn't get past them, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it, it was it was tougher to swallow. And I, I remember Joe. You know, I'll, I'll tell you one story on Joe after the game. Uh, he he wasn't he didn't meet with the media. And yeah, you know, guys like Nabokov and a few others had, you know, sort of took the took the pressure of dealing with the media after the Sharks got eliminated. And I tracked down Joe a couple of days later in the in the locker room in San Jose when everybody was getting ready to leave. And and he pretty much said, you know, Dave, I couldn't handle it myself. I wasn't ready to deal with it with you. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't it wasn't an act of cowardice to me at all. It was basically it was just so intense. He was so committed in there. And that told me a lot about the guy. And, and I, you know, went very quickly from, you know, let's say the, the level of respect went up much, much higher after that conversation. But I, I bought what he was saying. It, it's, it was a tough thing for him to deal with. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's completely understandable. And I mean, obviously whenever something like that happens, the media always likes to, 
you know, make something of it. And then, you know, it's sure. I mean, I go back to when they, you know, there was debate about him being on the top 100 players of all time list that came out a few years back. And, you know, when I see things like that, I mean, listen, I understand the value of a Stanley Cup, but it's like, are you going to tell me that, like, you look at the points alone that this guy has racked up over his career, like that, that should speak for itself. You look at all the deep playoff runs, like, and again, I understand, you know, a cup says a lot, but it doesn't say everything. I mean, when you, when you look at his overall legacy, eventually people are going to come to their senses, right? Yeah, I, th- I think they've already come to their senses. I, I think, I'm hoping at least that debate is over, whether he's a Hall of Fame career. I think there's it, there's really no question that's a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, no, I mean, it's got, if, if it's not, then I don't, then I shouldn't be talking yeah. about sports in yeah. general because uh, <laughs> I clearly don't understand it. Um, so with with him returning tonight and, you know, the the emotion that is wrapped up in it, how... How do you think it's going to be for him? How do you think it's going to be for the fans? Um, do we put too much on a return like this, or is it hard to overstate what it means when a player does come back to, I mean, what we would affectionately refer to as home for Joe Thornton? Yeah, no, I think it's it's Joe Thornton, so I don't think you can overstate what is, you know, the emotion that's going to be there both for him and for the for the crowd. My only, you know, I'm only hoping there's a good crowd there and it's not the, you know, it's, it's gotten a little bit better in some recent games, but the, when the building is half empty, he's never seen it like that. Mm-hmm. It was never like that when he was here. And I'm just hoping that there are enough people who might say, hey, Joe Thornton, I'm going to figure out a way to get down there so that it doesn't look like a half empty building because he doesn't, you know, he's, he warrants a, a full house recognizing what he accomplished here. I don't think it's going to be a full house, but I hope there's enough people there that it's, uh, it's loud and it's, uh, it's, appreciated and appreciative. Yeah, same. I mean, because that's what, uh, what the man deserves. And then, you know, obviously his career, I, you know, he's one of those guys who it seems like he can go as long as he wants, even though he does have the, the IRS stint as of late that it's, you know, he's going to play tonight, obviously. Um, right. when he does retire, I mean, I know it's not as common of a thing in hockey, but do you think he'll go like Nab- Nabby and sign the, the one day contract to do it here in San Jose, or is he not, maybe not going to want to do that just because he's not, not that what Nabby did was, um, you know, not showboating or anything that, but Jumbo there's Jumbo is a a unique individual in that he is a, he is a star in his play and in his personality, but at the same time, he doesn't um, seek it out the same way. It's he's the, the duality of Joe Thornton, the athlete and the individual, it's always struck me as something interesting. Yeah, it it is. I, I, you know, I don't know how much to weigh about uh, coming back to sign for a day and, and retire as a shark. It's a little different with Joe because he wasn't drafted and developed by the organization. Mm-hmm. His early career was in Boston. So, it, like you said earlier, it's a little bit different than guys like Marlowe or Pavelski or Nabby. But uh, it's still something, you know, I, I, I have no doubt that if he, you know, if, I shouldn't say if, when he gets into the Hall of Fame, he'll be wearing a Sharks jersey. But I don't know if there's going to be that moment where he does come back and, and go through the motions of a one-day contract. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Well, David, I've really appreciated uh, talking about this stuff with you. And again, it's uh, been great talking with you. And I hope you see you at the tank soon. You, I remember you were at a game earlier this year, but I was in the midst of doing something and we were all wearing masks. And I think I got halfway down the stairs before I realized, like, hey, that was David. I probably should have said hello. So they, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully I'll see you out there again soon. 
Okay, Ted. I, I do plan on being there tonight. Oh, good deal. And I'll be sitting in the crowd there. So nice. We're looking forward to that too. A nice trip down memory lane with longtime but now retired Sharks beat writer David Pollock. And it should be a fun one tonight. Florida, one of the best teams in the league, but the Sharks, well, they just played them tough a couple of months ago. I'd like to think that with the emotions that'll be there in the building tonight, they are going to be able to step up and have a good performance. Also, they've won two in a row. They're playing good hockey. They're getting healthier. They're getting better over these last couple of games. Let's see if it continues tonight. Remember to join us for pregame coverage starting at 7 right here on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.